don't ever like burn any bridges because you never know when you'll need somebody. Like it doesn't even matter if it's like, you know, just a hundred dollar video, like don't burn any bridges because you'll never know when like, you're like, oh man, like I, I wish I knew this. Like I wish they thought of me. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, shooters and editors. Welcome to the fourth episode of Blue Ass Water. I just got to say, first of all, the first three have had an amazing response. So thank you all again for watching. Thanks for tuning in. If you're on Spotify, go ahead and follow. Go ahead and download the episodes ahead of time. If you're on YouTube, give us a sub. Give us a like. Lay a comment down. And if you're on uh, Apple Music, I think it's out on Apple. Uh, I think I think it helps to rate us five stars. So go ahead and do that. All that stuff is super fun, super easy, super quick. You can keep listening, keep tuning in. So appreciate you guys. But dude, this episode, guys, we've got an absolute, we've got an absolute killer. Ryan Ashworth, he's from the Orlando Magic. He owns his own media company, and uh, he's just a menace in, in the, with the camera. All right, so we're gonna get right into it. Ryan, what's good? Not much, man. I mean, thank you so much for having me. This is this is awesome, man. I love what you're doing here, and I'm excited to you know talk more about it. For everyone listening, would you mind listing who you are and what you do? Yeah, man. So I am a uh, producer, director, writer, and editor. Um, I've been doing this for, uh, gosh, I mean, ever since I was a kid, like always had a camera in my hands at some point, um, but started doing this professionally about six, seven years ago um, and haven't stopped. Um, you know, I think of myself as mainly like a storyteller. I love telling stories and I just like expressing it through video. Um, and I think that it just has a different way of, you know, showing emotion and whatnot. And so um, if I have the opportunity to do tell a story or do something with that, I mean, I'm just always wanting to do that. So um, yeah, but official title is producer, writer, director, editor. Um, I try to do as much as I can and just dive my feet into whatever, um, you know, was in front of me. I love that response. Back in high school, you're the homecoming king. Talk to me about that experience. Yeah, man. Uh, I was homecoming king. Um, gosh, I actually kind of forgot about it, not going to lie, because um, it was kind of a while ago. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, I was homecoming king. Um, I just like in high school was always just like, you know, trying to be friends with everybody. I mean, I'm just kind of like I try to pride myself of the person that just like goes out there and just, you know, just tries to be friends with whatever. I mean. Um, you know, I, I think what, it, what happened was I just had so many, you know, people that like, I was playing baseball and, you know, I was in different clubs and whatnot. And, um, you know, I just, I've grown up, grown up in this, you know, town, Winter Garden. Um, and then just, I don't know, man, I, I somehow I got picked. I showed up on the day and they were like, you know, you're the king. And I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. So, um, I mean, it didn't, you know, it, it's, it, it didn't really change who I was at, at any point, but I mean, it's, it's just really cool to look back on and like talk about it. Like, you know, years later, like sitting here now today. Um, but like I said, it doesn't really change who I am. I mean, I'm still the same person that, you know, I was back in 2015 or I was actually 2014, sorry, 2014 when I did, but I mean, it was, yeah, time flies, but uh humbling experience to say the less. And um, I mean, high school was, was a fun, fun four years and I, I won't forget that. So that's a pretty sweet experience. I feel like that would work really well for a two truths and a lie scenario. Yeah, I guess you're right, man. I actually, 
I haven't I, I haven't been in that situation yet, but um, but yeah, I mean that would now they come to think of it, that's a good that's a good idea. <laughs> Blue ass water. What do those words mean to you, Ryan? You know, they always say like the grass is green on the other side, or like you use these creative terms to like kind of you know pronounce what something might mean to you, and like you know some people might might perceive something as you know, vague, or some people might think of like, look at a wall or look at a painting and they're just like, oh, this is that. And this is amazing. This has all these different, you know, ambitions to it. And it's just like, honestly, when I see something or when I hear something, like when it pertains, like, like when you say blue ass water, it's like whatever you want it to be, right? It's like, you know, whenever you're entitled to, because that is your creative vision. And, um, you know, I think of it that way. It's like, you know, you can, you can think of the water as just blue or you can like, damn, this is blue ass water. So I think it's a sick term, man. I love that. It's a very optimistic take on it. Some people are, you know, they cringe at the overly saturated hues or, you know, the the overly edited photos. But I think what you're saying is kind of like the creativity is what you make of it, you know, and yeah. you can be as, as creative and as out there as you want with your work, d depending on the direction of the piece, or you can, you know, really tone it down. And if it, if it calls for some, you know, a bit more subtlety that works as well. Yeah, I totally agree, man. And like the thing, the thing about it is like, you know, the way, you, whatever you perceive as, you know, the title or the term or the project, like that totally, like, it's just like, it's really about like what you, you want it to be. And, um, you know, some people might think of it as different, but that that's okay. Like we all have different opinions on things and, um, I think your title for this can really mean anything you want because it's, you know, it's just in your eyes, like the water is blue and that's awesome. So I love that answer so much. What made you want to make videos in the first place? All right. So let's go back. So, um, gosh, like I have this YouTube channel, which I'm not going to say the name of it because if you look it up, like it's just cringeworthy. But I started making videos when I was like 11 years old. My mom had like this like Nikon camera. And I remember back in the day, this is, you know, 14 years ago, probably. And uh, when, you know, people really didn't have DSLRs and whatnot. And uh, I remember my mom had one and I, I remember I had a video button and I would just like go out in the front yard with my friends and like we would just like, like shoot video. And then I would just plug it into the computer and just like upload it, upload it to YouTube. And I just thought that was like the coolest thing ever. Um, and that was kind of like when Facebook started coming out and like things were starting to pop up and I don't know, I just always thought that was super cool, but, um, you know, and then when I like grew and like gone further, like I just, you know, I grew up kind of in the social media age. I think we, a lot of us have, and, um, you know, promoting your stuff on like Instagram or Facebook, like was always so rewarding to me. Um, and so when I was in high school, you know, my mom bought me a GoPro and when I bought a GoPro, I, every time I had my GoPro, man, I was like, dang, I got to do something cool. Like, like I got to go jump off my roof into my pool or like, I got to go and do a backflip into the lake or like, I got to take it to the high school football game and like, just throw it up in the air. And like every single time, like the GoPro, like was an extension of me. And like, I wanted to like, um, you know, it, it pushed me to be creative. It pushed me to like put myself out there. And so when I did that, like, I was so excited to have that footage, like to, for like, for me to put the SD card into the camera or from the camera into the computer. And it was like, so exciting to me that like, I was like ready to edit a video. And then the best part was like promoting it out to my friends. 
and like showing people like what I did and like people watching and like, Oh, this is so cool. Um, and so then that kind of like grew on me. And then when I got to college, like, you know, I took a few business classes and I was like, this just really isn't for me. And, you know, I thought like, Hey, you could go and write a 10 page paper and you could submit it. And then you'll probably never, ever read it again. Or you can make a film or a video or a documentary or whatever you want in class and submit it and you can keep it forever and you can always watch it again and share it. And nowadays, like you can send it so easily and be like, yeah, I remember when I made this, it's like one of my first videos I ever made. Um, and look where I've came from like this point to where I am now. So it was really rewarding to me that like I was doing things and I wasn't just like just turning them in and never watching them again or never using them again, that I was actually like getting to experience like firsthand, like, wow, like this is my first film I directed. And like, I can't believe like, you know, what I was thinking here, like why I was doing this. And like, I can see my growth. I could see where I came from. And I think that to me, that like was really inspiring. The fact that like, I could see that myself and see where I was going. And then the next thing was like that my other, my friends and family were so interested in like what I had going on and also were interested in that. So that kind of like took me to like where I was at. And like, I always felt like if I can make a living, like doing what I love and like showing people that like, I'm a storyteller and whatnot. I mean, like, I'm going to try to do it. And it's, it, that's where it's taking me, honestly. I love that. That's sweet. So who were some of your biggest inspirations when you were first getting started? So a big inspiration of mine was um, Abe Kislevitz, who is the the GoPro guy. Yeah. Um, he's like the director of marketing and he like runs all the GoPro stuff. Um, he's He was a big inspiration of mine because like, he was, uh, I think he was an engineering major at USC and he like, just like liked shooting snowboard, snowboarding videos with his friends. And then that kind of like turned into like, you know, him just like pushing himself and putting himself out there. And now he's like full-time like filmmaking and like working with brands, um, and doing stuff like that. Um, and I, I thought that like, he was a big inspiration for me. Have you seen his video from, uh, I think it was when he went down to Baja, Mexico. He got that yellow almond surfboard. Yeah, yeah. That's the one I found him from, which was only like a year ago. So that's, so you've been following him for like a hot minute, huh? Yeah, yeah, dude. I've been following him since, gosh, like, I think I want to say like 2011. Wow. Yeah. He's got stuff, like he still has stuff on YouTube. Like if you look, if you go back to it, like he has like a uh, USC snowboarding team and like him and his snowboarding buddies, like would go up to like like Lake Tahoe or somewhere up there in, in California. And that was like GoPro at like its earliest stages where there's like no stabilization. Like the image is really crappy. Um, and they would just like take it and like, they would just shoot. And, um, and like, it's so funny to see nowadays, like how GoPro has evolved and like people who are like the you know, creative, like in, in the out, outdoor adventure world have like, they've increased their production because of that. Um, and I think a lot of people have, you know, Abe and GoPro to thank for that. Um, and so, you know, that's that, um, I think that he's, he's been really cool. I've even like DM'd him a few times and like, Hey, can you watch my, like watch my GoPro video or whatnot? And he's like, he like sent me back like a, yo, that's, that's dope, man. Like glad to see you're using this and the max, max lens, like, um, uh, into your advantage and stuff like that. And so it's cool to like reach out to them and be have like a, on like a, you know, a, an Instagram DM basis kind of, of thing. Yeah, that's yeah. so sick that he's willing. I always enjoy when other creatives that are, you know, maybe a little bit further than us in our careers or, you know, are simply better than us at that point or something like that, when they're willing to look over your work and 
give you critiques, you know, as long as you're willing to take it. That's a key. I've seen, I see a lot of creatives that are coming up right now that don't take well cr to criticism. And yeah. I think that's such a necessity to be able to learn and understand, like, listen, people aren't ragging on you. They're not hating your work. Most fellow creatives are stoked to meet another creative and yeah. it, just because it's another like-minded person. And so some of these creatives coming up right now, people not might, uh, you know, give them constructive criticism, but they take it as a knock. They take it as like, yo, why are you hating dog? And it's like, nah, nah, nah. They're just trying to, you know, give you an idea of how you might be able to alter something for next time or tweak something to make it a little better. And you don't have to take their advice. You know, you can take it or leave it. It's up to you at the end of the day, but just nod your head and say, thanks, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I mean, you're totally right. Like you, you definitely hit your hit the nail on the head. And I mean, like, so for instance, like I have this um, one friend I went to high school with her and then she went to um, NYU uh, Tisch School of the, Tisch School of the Arts. And um, she's in New York now. She's killing it. Um, she's doing um, an independent film and she just actually produced her own independent film. And um, she like posted on Instagram and stuff. And like, I just like took like 30 minutes to watch it. And then like, I sent her back some, like I sent her back some notes. I was like, Hey, like, I love this. I loved how you did this. Like, this is super creative. And she was she, like, she replied and she's like, thank you so much for watching. That means a lot. And then she was like, do you have any like constructive criticism? And I was like, you know what? That's so awesome that you think about that because that just tells me that you're trying to get better yourself and see it from my creative vision, like what I would have done or something like that. So I sent her some things like I thought were really cool. Um, and then I sent her some things that I was like, Hey, I think like I would have done it this way. doesn't mean it's wrong, but I, I would have just done it this way. Or I think that you could have done this way. Um, and she was super, really appreciative of that. And it was really good to see that, you know, she, she was accepting that and she wanted that. And, um, I think like, she's definitely taking that. And I mean, I, I'm not perfect by any means. I don't know. I'm, I don't have the rule book of like filmmaking, but like at the same time, like there's just things that like, I feel like if I could give you some, you know, criticism, like, you know, I, I would hope that, you know, you're like, Oh, I understand that. And same thing for like other people. Like if there's something that like I can do better, I always want to learn how to grow. And so I think people coming up, like that's, that's a big thing. Like learning to grow, make your own path is like having other people give you, give you feedback and, and learn from that. And, um, so that's what I've been you know, trying to tell people, like, uh, some, like the people that I work with and, um, other that are trying to get into like the field and, and whatnot. I, I try to like help them and understand that like, it's, it's always good. It's really good to see that. And, um, you know, when I was coming up interning at some production companies, like I would, you know, I would go through and I would do like, you know, shoots or whatever. And like, I would be so stoked. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, this is so cool. Like I got in slow-mo, like this looks so dope. Like everything is everything is perfect. And like, I would send it out and I would send it out to like some of the people I've worked with that are like been in the business for like 20, 30 years. And then they would just come back and they would just like shred me apart. Like they would be like, I would take this shout out. Like this exposure is way too high. Like bring this down your levels here. Like, you know, color, like your white balance is off on this one. And I would like straight up be like, Holy crap. Like I didn't think of it that much, but now looking back on it, like, I'm like, dang like if i never did that if they never would have told me that like i would have never fixed it i would just thought that was normal i would just thought that was like okay that's cool and then like i'm good like that's that's that but like if they would have never told me that then i would have had no no idea of thinking that i have no vision of that and you so would have, you would have never even considered it 
Exactly. I would have never considered it. I just would have thought like, oh, that's, that's the right thing to do or right thing to, you know, to put out there. And so I'm happy that they did that. I'm happy that they came back and we were like, Hey, I would change up this, or I would just do that and like, make sure you're doing this. And like that nowadays means so much to me that like, I want people to like, like keep coming back to me, like, ah, do this, do that. Um, because I feel like that makes you a better individual and, um, it makes you a better creative in, in the long run. I think that's such a good point. And to play devil's advocate, I suppose, kind of the flip side of it too, is if you are someone who's giving advice to fellow creators, make sure you include, like, make sure you gas them up a little too. Don't just slide in the DMs and be like, hey man, yo, uh, that, that lighting was trash. The water's way too blue. You know, why, why you can't slow it down. You're only shooting in 30. Like, you know, it's too choppy, that sort of thing. Nah, 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 nah. Gas them up a little first and then give your critiques because then they're going to be much more reciprocate or uh, accepting of your of your critiques, right? Yeah, no, I totally feel that. Like, you, you definitely want to hear, like, you know, in the first place, like, oh, this was such a cool shot and I like your title. I like how we did there. And, and they're like, hey, if I, you know, I, I'd say, like, you know, there, there definitely is a way to say it if that makes sense. Like there's mm -hmm. definitely a way to like, you know, tell people like, you know, it's not, it's not just like, Hey, don't do that. Don't do this. Like there's definitely a way to say it. And I've had people like before that have just straight up told me like, they, they don't say anything good. I mean, it's more just of the bad. And then I'm like, Oh, I did a bad job. But, like that's not the case. You know, it's, it's always just like everything you get and everything you take, like take it with, you know, your own, your own vision and put that together and then think about it. Like I, I mean, I've done, I've done videos, right. And they were due on like morning of right at 9am or 10am. And like, I would look, I would keep watching them. And like at night I would be like, wait, I don't think I like this. And like, I would like completely rethink it and then maybe ask somebody for some advice and like, they would give me some feedback. And then right when they give me feedback, I'm like, all right, I'm just redoing the whole thing. And I just start from scratch. I start a new sequence and I just redo it. And then I look back and I watch both of them like, all right, which one do I like better? So, I mean, like, you know, just take everything, you know, with your own vision, with your own process and like process that and, um, you know, just take a mental note of what, what you believe in that and, and stick with it and, and just keep going. And then like, ultimately, like the more you get and the more feedback you get and you, the more you learn is the more you're going to grow and become a better individual. Like I said, great advice. So while we're on this topic. Ryan, what's a creative mistake you've made in the past that nowadays you just cringe at? You would never dare make it again unless it's like wildly intentional. I mean, do do we want to go like like camera like like whatever, whatever route line? you want to take? Yeah, yeah. Settings are cool. Editing's cool. Anything on set? Yeah, dude. So okay, I have a lot of mistakes that like I've made, and I think that that's like kind of what helped me, um, you know, become a better you know, creative or like just helps me grow and like put me in the position where I am today. Um, the first thing that I would probably say though, is like, like if you have a camera in your hands and you're like, have the ability to like, to shoot anything, like just do it, like shoot everything. Like, so for instance, you know, if you're at, if you're in a location, right. Say you're in Charleston, right. And you're, and you're just like, have your camera out for the day like just start shooting and then like maybe you'll get some really cool shots of like downtown Charleston. Right. And then you put a little edit together and then you send it out to Charleston, like the city of Charleston on social media. And you're like, Hey, look what I made. I did it for free. Like, do you guys want it? And then 
like for instance they'll be like oh yeah it's so cool like free marketing like totally like and then they see that they're like oh you're doing a really good job like you're local or you're in town like maybe he wants to do another one so my mistake like was not shooting enough because i would go to places i would see things and i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't think to ask people like hey do you want like do would you want this would you be interested in that because ultimately that gets your name out there like that puts you like above above other people are like oh i see that like he does work and then that's kind of like how i started my company honestly but um so so anyways like you know just just i think my my biggest mistake is just like not shooting enough like shoot as much as you can because that only doesn't just help you like learn settings like learn what looks best like find your niche but like it also will like come back to you and be like dang like i'm so glad i shot this and like man i can make this like a little bit of an edit and and do something with that so i think like not shooting enough is like the first part but then like when i think about it again it's like okay now my creative mistake is like when you have a camera in your hands like do what you can right like do as best is do as best as you can like do what you want but like in my my mistakes are like when i have a camera in my hands like i can't do like i can't relax like i can't sit down like i feel like i have like if i'm at the beach and i have my camera like i have to like shoot and like i feel like so i take away from like my vacation because i'm like shooting and so i think there needs to be like a little bit of a balance there um you know like take some time like maybe take a few hours like do some shooting and then like take a break like go and chill out and then you know to get some rest because like i've been on like cruises before right with my family vacations and like a perfect example of this is like i would shoot all day i was like oh i got to get my camera i got to shoot this like i got to do this i got to do that and like i took away from my mindset of like being on vacation or like doing enjoying the little things in life and spending time with family but then again like i did shoot enough where i sent it into royal caribbean and the royal caribbean highlighted me on their youtube channel so like you have to find that perfect balance of like doing both things um because then in that terms like you know you become you know this person who is flexible and like that is enjoying and like you want to live in the moment but also have this space or have this you know entity to market yourself so i'd say that like that's like my biggest thing like when i started out or like when i was just like overall like finding out like what to shoot and like how to shoot it and like just doing it and then just realizing like my own like time and where i'm at and like you know making sure like people around me are not like annoyed that i have a camera in my hands that i have no attention to anything else um i hope that makes sense so no that made great that made perfect sense now we've got game time rapid fire questions you ready for this yeah let's go all right it's a quick little fun game this or that pick one photo or video video landscape or portrait landscape final cut or premiere premiere tacos or pizza pizza you're gonna piss a lot of people off with that one sorry <laughs> you're honest honesty is the best policy right yeah basketball content or gaming content oh basketball snow or surf oh, man. dude it's hard because i live in the surf i surf like i don't know eight months out of the year and then but i love the snow so like that's such a tough I knew this uh, would get you. I had a Yeah, feeling. this is tough for me. Um I, I'm going to go snow, man. I've been a really big I've I've been loving the snow lately, so I'm going to I'm going I I've grew up in the surf, so that's that, but I'm going to go snow here. That's fair. That's fair. 
I don't know what it is, but like being on top of a mountain, just like looking down and like, just, just going yeah. for me is this, I mean, it's like an adrenaline rush, but at the same time, it's just like so calming and you have like, it's just like, I mean, it's dude, you got to get out there. That's all I'm saying. Last question, Spotify or Apple music? Uh, I mean, I've watched her, I've watched the podcast before and I know what people have said. So I'm going to have to disappoint everybody and say Apple music. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> it's not, it's not anything against Spotify. It's truthfully, truthfully, because I started out Apple Music like right when they launched it. And I just like, it was like, do you want to try the three month trial? And I was like, sure, I'll try the three month trial. And I put my credit card in and I never looked back and I just never <laughs> have ever. And honestly, dude, like, I don't know how, but I was still skimming off of the student discount for like $5 until like six months ago. I'm doing that right so, now for Spotify. Okay. I, yeah, I don't so, know how. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I did it either, but like I had it, I had Apple Music for like five, almost six years. And I was still like just putting in my old student uh, email. Yeah. And they were like, yep, yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're all good. And I'm like, all right, sweet. I'm going $5 a month. So like, I, I, if I ever gave Spotify a look, like I probably, I probably, I know I would enjoy it because I know they have really cool playlists and everything, but I've just honestly always used Apple music. I enjoy Apple music. It's just there. I use it daily. So that's why I picked it. Here's the reason in my eyes, why the conversion rate from one to another is so low. You can't transfer a playlist. Yeah. And playlists are everything like yeah. the playlists you have, they mean something to you. Like they, they, they go deep, don't they? I feel like we can all relate to that. And so you can, and if you could transfer a playlist from Apple to Spotify and vice versa, I think you'd see a lot of people switching. I don't know from who to who, but I think there'd be a lot of back and forth. But uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that you can't just easily, you know, throw a playlist right over kind of makes it difficult, doesn't it? Yeah, dude. And I've even said this too, because like, I have a bunch of friends that are on Spotify and like my sister's on Spotify and everybody's like, Oh, switch. When I was like, but I have like 10 different playlists. Like, cause I listen, literally listen to everything. Like same, literally any type of music, like I'm listening to it. It just depends on my mood. And, um, and so I have like 10 different playlists and I was like, dude, like if I could do that and like, I would have my playlist back, like, yeah, I mean, that would be easy, but unfortunately I don't. And like, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to go through all that time of like doing that when I'm already like, have what i have you know what i mean of course of course so ryan you've been working with the orlando magic for about two years now is that accurate yeah what's been your favorite yeah. aspect aspect of working with them dude honestly working with the magic has been awesome like you know you have you have all this opportunity to like kind of do what you want um my favorite aspect is just like the the, the constant go of the nba you know it's like you know on a daily basis like even in the off season, like there is always something to be said. There's always like something going on. And I think that that's super cool that, you know, you can, you know, take something in the off season and, you know, try to shoot that or edit that and promote it in, into the in season and whatnot. So I think the coolest part is just like the run and gun of a daily life of a creative in the NBA. Um, you know, you, you, every single day you walk into the doors of an NBA franchise and looking to do creative work, like you have no idea what you're going to get into. Like, one day you might be sitting and you might be on a shoot with Markel Fultz and you might be sitting in a Chick-fil-A drive-thru, like waiting for him to order. Or the next day you're on this big shoot for this corporate partner who's putting millions of dollars into the NBA. Or the next day you have a shoot and 
they don't tell you who's it for. They don't tell you what you're doing. They just tell you what they want you to look like, what it wants to look like, what cameras you need to shoot on, what the frame rate needs to be. And then you just do it. And then all of a sudden, like you're shooting with the commissioner or you're shooting with like um, people from the NBA, like corporate offices and like they're coming in and doing some, you know, big work and whatnot. So, I mean, it's every single day is unpredictable and every single day is a new challenge. So like you walk in every single, like, whenever and you just have no idea what to expect and i think that's the coolest part because it really challenges you to really put your best foot forward and like just say like hey whatever happens happens and i just need to go out there and make sure i give it my all and if you can do that i mean that's it's really rewarding to, to say to yourself like once you've you know you, you get finished with the day or you get finished with a really big shoot or like you have you know the nba players time in your hands right you have you have time in your hands where they have a certain schedule to meet. They might only have an hour and 30 minutes and you have to, you have an hour and 30 minutes to get what you need and, you know, promote that on, on a, you know, nation or global scale, I'd say. And, um, and so it's really challenging, but at the same time, it's, it's exhilarating um, the, as, as how I'd like to put it. So. Is there one moment that sticks out to you of like just something crazy that happened or surprising or like you finished a long day of shooting and, and or a long night of editing and you got it done and was like, this, it makes it all worth it. Yeah. So, I mean, like there's, there was so many, there's been so many times, man, like that, you know, I've, I've put, I mean, easy 12 hours into a day. I mean, like game days, you know, sometimes you're there at eight o'clock, maybe earlier for a shoot. And then you're sending that footage over to an editor or maybe you're editing it to yourself and then, you're getting ready and you're shooting all pregame content and then you get to go forward and shoot the game and then you edit the game and then you turn it back over and like stuff like that. I mean, there's, there's been, there's days like that. You just have to understand that. Um, but I mean, there's many, there's many in instances like, um, you know, when I did the Aaron Gordon uh, shoot for his dunk contest, I mean, that was, that was going to be, that was all over the world. I mean, that was really cool. Um, to get to see, like, I was in the shoot when, when he announced that he was going to be shoot, doing the dunk cons contest and he was coming back and everybody, nobody had any idea. And it was like this big secret. Um, so, I mean, that was like a really cool moment for me that like, I was in a group of like less than 20 that knew Aaron Gordon was coming back to do the dunk contest for another time. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's an instance that plays out in my head, um, you know, that I'll probably never forget. Um, but we were, we were in, we were at the Amway center really early and we had, um, we had this big long shoot. I know, I remember in the morning and we, the hardest part is that we had three shoots in one day and two shoots are really important. And one shoot wasn't as important. I'm not going to really get into all the details of each one, which, which one no was need. which, no need, but, uh, but, but the first two, we, we did the first one. It wasn't as one as it wasn't as important, but we did that, knocked that one out really quickly. And we were setting up for the second one. And the second one, uh, our, our talent, um, we were shooting with one of the NBA players and, and talent. Um, and the talent was like three hours late. Like he, he just like, was like, got lost. I don't remember what the whole deal was, but we had to get ready for the third shoot, which was the most important one. And that was like 20 minutes across town. And so I just remember like me and my coworkers, like setting up and getting everything ready for the second shoot and like waiting for things to happen. And like, as things were still going on, we were still moving out. We were moving over to the next shoot to do that, driving 20 minutes away. 
and um, it was at the NBA experience in down in, uh, in Disney Springs in Orlando. There was probably 2000 people there. NBA players were there. Entire media was there, like just crap load of people. Um, they were unveiling these new jerseys. They were talking about this partnership. Um, millions of dollars were pumped into this thing. And um, th since this guy was late, we had to transfer everything over with him. I'd say like 35 minutes. And it was a 20 minute ride just to get to the Disney Springs. And so it was really rewarding when we got there and we had everything set up and I felt like I was comfortable. I had my shots. I was doing everything I needed. We were interacting with the players, um, getting everything done. And then it was really nice to say like, you know, we just worked a long ass day and now we have 50 gigabytes of footage and we have so much time. We now we just need to like edit and get this stuff out because, um, you know, like I said, we just put all our effort into this 12 hour day. And I think we ate like one time in, in a whole day. Like, I think we barely got lunch and yeah, I mean, it, that's like, that's just one that like sticks out in my head. I know there's like many more that have been like that, but you know, like I said, you, you just walk into every single NBA experience, like not knowing what you're going to get. You don't know if like somebody's like going to be late. Like I said, you don't know if like, you know, your talent's going to show up like not on time. And then if that's the case, then, you know, you have to pivot and figure out what's next and what's most important. So I think, like I said, every single day is a new challenge. You just never know what you're going to expect. And that's the beauty of it. And like, you just work with what you got. As long as you're giving 110%, like it's going to come out great. So talk to me about working with Magic Gaming, how that is similar to the type of content, like how the content for Magic Gaming is similar and different to the content that you make for Magic Basketball. Yeah, dude. So I didn't really know much about like, game. like I didn't know much about esports because I haven't really, I've never really played video games growing up i never really was like in the esports like like that space um so when i jumped on with the magic like i didn't really know much about it but like being on the forefront of magic gaming and like being on the head of you know the content there and like making sure that like all production was just as good and just as crisp as what the nba we were pumping out with the nba and the magic side like it honestly is becoming such a big entity itself and it's incredible to see like how far it's come. Um, you know, Magic Gaming and esports in general really is pumping up. Like, I think uh, our game last night had like 30k viewers. Um, and like live Magic game basketball games, how many viewers do those get compared to gaming? Yeah, it's so, like I mean, I mean, you could like talk into like you go into like the the Bali Sports or like Fox Sports, like those numbers, and like I mean, there's probably you know few i don't know if there's like a hundred thousand or like fifty thousand i don't know depending on the game like who, how many people are like watching that i mean in, in the arena we get i think there's 27 or twenty eight thousand fans we can get if we pack the entire stands so just um, imagine tuning into the gaming content or the gaming streams yeah a full arena yeah yeah even in like even in like um most like magic games too like i mean we get close to full capacity on like a regular like day right like in non-covid like we get like close i don't know if we we ever fully sell out sometimes we're like the lakers are in town or the warriors like we'll we'll get close to selling out um but most of the time i think we're right around like like 18 18k 19k um which is really cool but like you said like like esports is on the come up and like they're seeing that and i'm realizing that myself is like people will watch all over the world just like these esports tournaments and people to compete for millions of dollars. Um, 
And so like, I'm, I'm learning that like slowly. And, um, and, you know, like I prided myself with taking the production as high as I can, because like I said, like if you start now and like you set the tone, like it's only just going to go up from there. And um, so if we're, if we keep and make sure that the, the NBA 2K league and that production is just as high quality as the NBA side, I mean, like things, things just only look bright. Um, and it's interesting to see because like NBA is certainly a startup in my eyes. And so you can really go wherever you want with it. Like you really have this entire opportunity to do what you want and, and try to just be as efficient and creative as possible. Does every NBA team have their own esports team? Yeah. So it's looking like they're trying to, they're really, they really want to, they're pushing the NBA 2K league is really pushing to have um, full participation with each team. Um, right now there's not, I think, I believe there's 24 um, out of the 30 teams. Um, so there, there's missing a few, but I'd say for the most part, there is um, a good participation within the, within the organization or the organizations of the league. That's great. And do each of those esports teams have production teams like yourself? Yeah. So, um, I'd say, I'd say, you know, some of them do, some of them don't, um, you know, some, some just choose like, so it just depending on the organization, you know, some people have just strictly content creators for esports nowadays. So they will hire just a esports production or some people will use the organization. So like the magic will, you know, take guys and when they're not doing the NBA, they might help out with the esports. Um, you know, I've been mainly esports lately and doing that. And, and so, I mean, that, that, that's just incredibly exciting to me, um, to get to do something new. It's all on my own, whatever I decide, it's just like that. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, most organizations have their content team that they just use, um, for both sides, whether that be the NBA or the DK league. So, so Ryan, you started your own media company. Talk to me about working with clients, how you, how you kind of gain clients from nothing from, you know, growing something from the ground up. Yeah, man. So, um, you know, I started my, started this company when I was in college, um, really to save myself as an LLC, that's like the biggest point. Um, but another thing also to like, you know, become a business owner and like learn what the ins and outs are of, of, of doing that and managing, um, you know, what I can and, and learning the, learning the growth of a business. Um, so I'd say, you know, the thing about it, and I, I mentioned this before, it's just like, try to shoot as much as you can, like try to be as creative as possible, but don't be afraid to reach out. Like what I've learned and I'll give you a perfect example here is, um, you know, I, I purchased a, snow, a new snow jacket last, uh, like last December, I purchased a new snow jacket for when I was going uh, snowboarding. Um, I purchased it on Amazon. It was a company that, you know, I hadn't really heard of before, but like, it looked like a good snow jacket. I mean, it had some good reviews. So I just bought it and I, I wore it. Um, I went snowboarding in it. I took some, obviously I'm taking videos cause I'm like, I have my GoPro with me. So I'm taking videos. Um, and you know, I'm shredding and whatnot. I got some really good clips and you know, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll make a little edit and just send it into them, see if they like it. So I ended up making the edit. Um, they really liked it. Um, they don't really have any marketing. They don't really have anything. Um, they're up and coming brand, but it's a clothing brand. Um, they do all outfitters, like any kind of like camping, hiking, snowboarding, surfing, like running, working out, like anything to do outdoors. Like I'm actually rocking them right now. Um, and I honestly just reached out to them. I sent them a DM and then like sent them an email 
was like, Hey, like I own a, um, you know, media company. We do, you know, just all things in marketing. And uh, this is a video I sent and they're like, wow, like this is amazing. I was like, it's free. Like you guys have it, like do what you want. We are like, Oh, like that's so cool of you. And then like, we want to give you some stuff. Like we want you to rock more stuff. Free gear. So I was like, Oh, free gear, like free gear. And I was like, so at this point, like I've, and, and I've learned now that this is called like free trade. Like you, you give your service, all right, you, you market it. And then they give you gear. So they sent me a box of their stuff. It's like, it was super dope. Like I didn't even expect it. I was like trying to create a relationship. And so they did that. I rocked a bunch of gear and then I did some more uh, content for them. I, I went on another snow skiing trip. I took some more video. I took some more pictures. I showed myself, I promoted it. And then after that, they're like, yo, like, we really like your stuff. We want to keep you like, we need your, your help. And I was like, great. You can hire my, like go through my company. Like we'll do it all official and everything. And they're like, sweet. So we ended up like signing an agreement. Like they, now they send me gear. They pay me to make, um, to make content for them. Um, and like, they're just really cool because like I get to do the stuff I shoot and like send it out to them and like they get to show their followers. And then like, I grow my brand that way. So, um, so I've like learned that the, the things with this business is just like, like just doing it for free might suck in the beginning, but like it ends up working out anyways. I mean, even if you don't get a response, it's still cool in the end. Um, and so they're like, that's, that's what I've learned. And like, I got some free stuff. I got paid for a few videos. Like I'm still doing stuff, right? Like I'm going hike, like I'm planned on going hiking already in September. And I sent them a message like, Hey, I'm going hiking. Like I'll shoot you guys like full marketing campaign with your new hiking gear. Like I'll do a full recap of everything. And they're like, dope. Sent me money, sent me clothes, like stuff's on the way. So like, let's go now leveraging that to like get to like go on the trip. So like I was already going to do it anyways. And now I'm like using this brand to like help me and, and pay for that. So that's cool. I thought that was really, um, you know, helpful, but I mean, in, in all like, man, like, like a business is, is not going to be easy, right? You're going to start and you're going to start something. And it's just like, it's, it's probably not going to grow. Like you're not going to have any followers. You're not going to probably hear from many people, but like, it doesn't hurt to just like ask, like, I, I run into people all the time that like, I might see like locally and they're like, Oh, you know, I run a construction site or, Oh, I, you know, run a nail salon or something like that. I'm like, Oh, cool. Well, here's my website. Like if you ever need anything marketing, like let me know. Cause I'm local. I'm willing to help. You know, it is what it is. It's like a friendly gesture. And I think like creating relationships with people is like the biggest thing, like regardless of like whatever the money, like the money will come. If you do good work, if you give your hundred percent, like it's just going to come. But you know, what I've done is like try to create relationships with people that they're like, like, I want to use Ryan. I want to use Ryan's company, like, because I know that they're in good faith with me. And with that being said, you know, we're going to work with them. And then I know that later down the line, like, I'm still going to have that relationship. And when they ask, like, we're going to keep using them back and forth. It's just going to work out in the long run. So I think you want to create customers and clients that, you know, are going to be there for the long run, not the short term. Um, and so ever since I've been doing that, like, I think that that is just like been you know, the biggest boost of energy is like, I'm going to keep doing work for these people and like, they're going to really enjoy it. And then they're going to keep coming back to me for more. And um, if you can find those people, if you can find those opportunities where like, you just, you might do something. And I'd say like the biggest part of that is like over delivering. Right. So if somebody might ask for like a one minute, like recap video of their event, they might have some event that they're doing and like, Hey, can we get one minute recap? You're like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, and then you overshoot. Right. And they maybe they're like, okay, I'll give you 200 bucks for it. Let's just say for instance, they're like, oh, we'll give you 200 bucks for it. I'm like, okay, cool. 
So you go and you do a, a one minute video, but maybe then you send a 15 second IGS and then you maybe second a one by one for Facebook. And then maybe you make another edit so then they can post on their personal or maybe like you just send drone video, like always over deliver because when you over deliver, they're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't think I was going to get all this. They're like, yeah, well, it was such a good time. And you create that relationship. They're like, hey, even if I'm, you know, it's this price or even whatever it is, like I know Ryan's going to do good work. I know his company's going to do good work. And I know like we trust them and we want to work with them. So I think like the biggest thing is just like creating relationships and then the money comes later, right? Um, you know, I started, I started this company and I was just doing weddings. I was just like shooting weddings, like here and there. Um, you know, I was just like trying to find people and I was just putting my stuff out on Facebook. I was like, Hey, I'm a wedding videographer. Like I do some stuff. And that slowly grown into like full brand, like marketing and like full brand awareness, because now people see like when I take the shots that I got my wedding that might, I might enjoy, I just put that in my reel and like the details and like they can tell that I've taken the time to make sure it looks good. Um, and so, I, like I said before, like overshoot, over deliver, and then just create that relationship, man. Like that's just what I've learned. And I'm not, a, I'm not a great, like, I, I'm not the perfect businessman. I don't think like I have all the answers to everything, but like, that's just like, in my eyes, what I think is like the biggest thing for people who wanting to start out, wanting to do um, things for clients is just like, don't be afraid to ask. And then when you ask, it's like, okay, like, can I, you know, can I do this for you? And then just over deliver, overshoot, and then create that relationship. And once you do, like, like I said, in the long run, you're going to have so much success. You're going to have so many people coming back to you. And obviously everybody knows this. If you don't know this by now, like, I don't know what you're listening to or what you're thinking, but word of mouth is like the number one thing. Like you, I can't tell you how many times like people are like, oh, I have so-and-so who you did a video for back in 2019 and like they recommended you and you did a really good job. So I'm looking to do this from my company. And I'm like, oh, that's super cool. Like that was two years ago. So, I mean, word of mouth is crazy. So don't ever don't ever like burn any bridges because you never know when you'll need somebody. Like it doesn't even matter if it's like, you know, just a hundred dollar video, like don't burn any bridges because you'll never know when like, you're like, Oh man, like, I, I wish I knew this. Like, I wish they thought of me. And so, um, you know, it's something I've definitely learned. It's like, try not to like, like if you end up not using somebody or somebody else not using your work or something, or like something goes down, like make sure you still have that relationship just in case in, in the future. So. I like what you said about don't burn it in bridges too, no matter how small the gig, because you don't know who that person knows. You know, it could be a owner of a small t-shirt company, but then they own the owner of a huge conglomerate, you know, uh, or they also own the huge conglomerate, right? So you could be making a small little hundred dollar video for a client who you think is just small, but this is just their, you know, their fourth side gig, right? They might have a main gig that, they're just testing you they're, they're seeing your skill and how how you work you know if you work well with them on this little gig for them and then if you crush it maybe in a few more videos down the road after working with them a few more times you'll get another like the the main opportunity with them right i think that that word trust is huge as well um because if you can prove yourself consistently trust and consistency are key if you can prove yourself consistently then you know, they're going to come back to you without hesitation or even more powerfully, as you said, word of mouth, refer you to anyone and everyone they know. Oh, you need a video? Oh, yeah. Ryan Ashworth. He's a guy. He's a guy.
Yeah, dude. I mean, like, so just a small instance of like how powerful world word of mouth is. So when I first started working out in production world, right. And this is like, not even, this like has to do with my company, but like in the end, it's just like how powerful world of mouth is. And like, if you just put even a hundred percent of your effort, like if you just do that, like you're just going to be successful, like no matter what, because I was working, um, on a set, um, as a PA and, um, I got this job from somebody I knew and it was like early in my college years. Like I didn't really have much production experience, but like I was looking to get into it. Right. And so I met this person and we, I did this long shoot. It was a two day, it was a two day shoot. And I think I got like very little sleep and, um, you know, it, it turned out well, but I like put a hundred percent effort into it and it was like, okay, great. And then some, the pr executive producer on that shoot knew who I was. And then he took me on to another uh, commercial that we did. And that was like a week long shoot. And like, there was some really big names in, in, in the commercials. And um, I got to do like some hands on more hands-on stuff. And I thought that was like super sick. And then I was talking to some other people on set and like, we were working together like for this commercial and, um, and, you know, I was just like putting my name out there. I was like, Hey, if you like, you guys need anything, like, let me know, whatever. And so then a few weeks later I get a call and, um, there's this lady and she was like, Hey, we're looking for people to, um, help on assistant camera operator, like help with this um, TV show that we're doing. Um, and I was like, do you mind if I ask? And we're like, yeah, it's called impractical jokers. Um, if you've ever heard of it, like we're looking for people to like help out and stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah, I know what impractical jokers is like, that's super <laughs> dope. And so that's like literally just by like a two day, like really small shoot that we did like in this garage, like that was like long and, and I, I hate it. Like I, I didn't like doing it, but I knew I had to, and I gave my hundred, hundred percent effort. And then that led into another job that was like higher paid, like more production, higher. I was hands-on everything. And then that led to me doing impractical jokers and like the rest is history from there. Like you just keep doing work and then like your resume, your real builds and like the people that you meet. And like, so it, within like a month I was on, I went from this really small commercial that we shot to being on the set of impractical jokers. So um, it's like crazy how time works. And it's, you just like, it's, it's just, it's, if you work hard, like it's just, it's going to fall into place. I love that quote. If you work hard, it's just going to fall into place. That's great. Great advice. Who would you consider to be your North star brand? Oh my gosh. I think about this a lot, actually. I do too. So the brand that I actually got really close to working with and that I didn't get, I, I did not yet get the opportunity to work with, um, is REI. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, dude, I really want to work with REI because REI does so much stuff that like helps the, the planet and like is like very good on like climate change. And I'm, I'm really big on that as well. Um, and I love being outdoors and I like I love what their brand stands for. So like REI for me would be like a super dope um, brand to work with. I just think because there's like so many endless opportunities that like you can go with that. And um and so we actually, it's a funny story, but like a friend of mine and I, we shot a, a demo for like, what would be like REI, right? We just we were bored one night and, um, you know, we took our cameras out and we just started shooting and like, it looked really good. And so we sent it out and we sent it out to like some people on LinkedIn and like, we just showed them and like, oh, this is dope. Uh, I mean, they didn't use, this is dope, but like, <laughs> they were like, this is cool. I'm, and, a, I'm um, imagining a, like scrolling through LinkedIn and all of a sudden I'm just seeing like, oh, so dope. This shit's <laughs> fire, fam. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't necessarily like that, but 
Um, so they, you know, we got really close and then there was just like, at the time, like it was no, like it just wasn't the need at the time, I guess. And, um, and so, but like that, that would like, that's like a big brand. I, I really want to work with brands that like are not just like out there. You know, I just want, I want to work with brands that are more than, more than a brand. Um, and so, you know, REI is one of them. Um, if I ever got the chance to do that, I mean, like I, I would, I would totally in a heartbeat would, would, would have to say REI. I think the term more than a brand is really good. Um, like a standard for a North star brand for people. Because yeah, you could you could always work with brand A or brand B that they're cool. They make cool stuff. Maybe you love them or you know someone you follow is like really into them or something works for them, who knows. But more than a brand, making a positive impact, whether that's on the environment or people or you know society as a whole or just a positive impact in general. I think it's really important uh, for, you know, a North Star brand for someone. And with that being said, I think that that's becoming more and more of the standard for brands these days. Brands are really realizing that to really have the most amount of success and give themselves the biggest opportunity for success, they have to have a positive impact on society and on, you know, the, the planet. You know, so many brands are doing anything and everything to be able to slap that sustainability sticker on, uh, which is a good thing. But having that, you know, vegan sticker or sustainable or, you know, uh, recyclable, whatever it may be, you know, whatever little sticker it is that they want to be able to throw on their product. uh, Brands are realizing more than ever these days how valuable that is because having one of those will catch your consumer's eye when it's on the shelf or on the internet or whatever it may be. And the consumer will be that much more likely to be like, yeah, you know, I relate to these guys or girls or who, you know, whatever the brand is, I relate. They, they stand for what I believe in too. Yeah. I'll I'll say this. I was in a, I was in a client meeting, um, not too long ago. And the, the, the question, um, that was asked was how can we stand out? And that's basically, I'd say like 90% of brands that you work with are like always asking, like, how can we stand out? And I think it's your job as a creative to figure out how they necessarily can stand out. And you find that through the storytelling process or like whatever creative vision like you're doing that might change the public's perception on this brand or on what, you know, you might think about um, when you see this brand. So I think that's like a big question. And, And for anybody who is going to get in and like, wants to be in that client room or wants to be in the, the boardroom when they ask and they throw down the money and they say, this is what we have. Um, this is like, you know, it's just like, that's what you need to think about. Like, how can we stand out? Like, what's, what can we do differently here that we haven't done in the past? And is that, how is that going to affect our brand in the long run? And, it, and, and essentially what is that, what is the image going to look like? Um, so it's a lot, it's a lot to think about. And, you know, most people don't, really think about that but i'll tell you like firsthand experience like like that's the question they're going to ask like how can we stand out all right ryan let's switch it up you're working on a documentary or you're about to start yeah so i can't really disclose a lot of the details um of the documentary right now um there there's a rough title going around but i don't even want to i I can't really say it right now don't Um, risk it don't risk it (laughs) yeah i don't want to risk it yet um but yeah the documentary is coming up soon um, a lot of really cool stuff to go into it. 
I'm really excited to jump on board and start doing it. Um, but I, yeah, there's, I mean, the pre-production for documentaries are incredible, man. I mean, like it, it's, it, it's what it's, you have to go into every single day, like thinking that you're wrong. You have to like, you have to literally jump into this, this, this idea or whatever you might be doing. And like every single day, just say like, you, your idea is wrong and you have to figure out how to fix it or how, how to make it. Because essentially that is what, when somebody's going to watch, like, they're going to be like, like, they want, they want to see how you've correct, like the, the problem is corrected. And so as a filmmaker, as a creative, you have to go into every single day in the process that like everything is wrong and you need to make sure that in the, in the public size, it, it looks right. Um, so it, it's, it's definitely difficult. Um, the pre-production phase is in my eyes, the hardest phase. Um, I think if you've done so much pre-production, like on the front end of like the working, the title and story arcing each, every single moment, um, and then coming up with the list of people that you want involved, um, essentially how it's going to look, um, from the colors to the aspects of, you know, each and every single shot. I think that like the next part is just the fun part is just like getting out there and shooting and then editing and like putting everything together. It's just like, so, I mean, that's, that's why we're creatives. That's why, that's why we do it is because we put in that hard work and then we just get to, you know, have fun doing and going out every single day and just learning and, um, and, and growing on something that you might not know about. And then you hope that other people, um, enjoy that just as much as you do. So, um, yeah, like I said, I can't really talk too much about it. Um, but a lot of details to come, uh, here in the next few months. Um, and then definitely, you know, when the title is finalized, I think there's a lot of people, uh, are not just me that get to pick. Um, so I, I don't, I don't want to be the one who says, and then things go change around and whatnot. Um, but I think in the, in the next few months, you'll definitely see a lot more and, um, where it lands and then, um, definitely looking to submit to, uh, festivals and other, as, as much as, as much as you can, I think for anybody listening to is like, don't ever sell yourself short. I have a, I have a thing that I say to myself every single day is like, never settle. Like I don't settle on anything that I do. Like if, you know, I go into, you know, a project and I just say like, Oh, well, you know, I made it five minutes and it looks pretty good. I mean, like I colored it a little bit, but like, it looks all right. Like, all right, that's cool. I'll just send it out. Like, like, that's just not me. Like everything I do, I like give it 110%. So like, I think for anybody listening, like, don't ever settle with like just average or whatnot, because at the end of the day, like you don't want to regret something that you like wish you could have done. And like, Oh, I wish I would have done this or I wish I would that. So like, don't settle with average. And, um, I think that like, it's, it's exactly how it's just going to look. It's like, you, you, you want to give the best for yourself every single day. And, um, and if you do that, like ultimately you would be successful just like with your hard work, like I said before. Um, and so that's where we're at now. It's just like we, every single day that we go into it or like every single day that we come up with this idea, or like some kind of script or some kind of idea for it. I mean, like we, we just go into the fact that like we're wrong and like, let's just try to fix it and let's see how we can change that and, and, and make that narrative a story or make that story like pop. And, and then, you know, from when it goes from there, like, we'll just see what happens, but a lot more to come there. Um, like I said, I wish I could talk, talk a little more about it. Um, I don't have all the details yet either myself, so I don't want to say something and then it not be true. So. No sweat, no sweat. I want to touch on something you mentioned that uh, could be confusing to some people is that the hardest part is pre-production. That's if you do it right. If yeah. you don't pre-produce, the hardest part is either going to be production or the edit. But if you pre-produce yeah. properly, 
and thoroughly, that'll make, like you said, the production be a blast. And then that'll make it so much easier on whoever has to edit edit it, right? So the key, the key is proper pre-production leads to fun production. But if you don't thoroughly pre-produce, production could go awry. Is that is that clear? Uh, it's like I mean you yeah you 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 straight up facts like I mean if you if you just go into a production and you're just like yeah we're just gonna shoot the crap out of it and like just see what happens and then we'll like turn it over and try to edit it. I mean in some aspects that might work right if you you know if I'm working on an NBA edit like I might go out and shoot a practice and then just turn over and edit and like it might look cool. But when it comes to like this bigger aspect of storytelling when there's a lot of money that goes into it when you're trying to put this out there into the public eye and on distribution channels where people are actually going to be watching on a grander scale. I mean, you definitely have to, um, you definitely have to make sure that you're pre-producing the right way. You make sure that everything is, you know, in line with, with what the vision is, because then, like you said, you get into that production phase and it's like, yeah, we have this shot. We have, we know we get need this shot. And it's not like, um, you know, it's like, oh, well, what are we going to do next? Like, where does that go from here? Um, so definitely if you, you know, I mean, everybody's going to be in that, like, you might need to go get one or two more shots when you get into the editing phase. But I mean, if you, like you said, you do everything right in the beginning, like it just, everything else just lines up and it's just like fun and it's easy going. And, um, I think that's the best part of my job is just like, is just doing that and getting out there and then, you know, sending it out and feeling that, Hey, I'm finished and what's next so all right ryan time for gear talk why we love it why we hate it how much is too much if you you know had access to whatever you could use what's your go-to setup most of the time i'm taking the fs7 i'm taking uh, a 50 millimeter lens 85 millimeter lens and then the 55 to 105 zoom lens um and then um i have uh two nd filters that we use um for the 50 and then um another set we take the a7s3 on the ronin um that's been like a workhorse for us and we use the 16 to 35, I believe. Um, it's pretty good autofocus. So that's been like, a, that's been like the main thing. That sounds pretty um, killer right there. Yeah. It's, it's, that's like, that's like basically the, the running gun. Always use shotgun. We use, use shotgun mics on both. And then we usually record into a Zoom um, or some kind of external and then just uh synchronize in the edit um so if we're lucky enough we'll have like a we'll have two shooters and then we'll have like a boom operator shoot or like somebody shoot doing audio um externally and then we'll just sync everything up in the end um so i'd say that's pretty much the run and gun setup for us we use uh like 128 gigabyte cards so like I mean, we're just shooting the crap out of everything. Like yeah. I said, like basically you just press start and just like, just get as much as you can in and out. Um, most of the time I'd say 
one cameras in 2023 um, and frame rate. And then the other one is in either 60 or 120 um, and like back and forth yep, kind perfect, of thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's mainly, that's like, that's what's in the bag. Like, I mean, we have a bunch of other stuff depending on the shoot, but I'd say like on an everyday average, like that's the running gun setup. Yeah. I mean, you're capturing it all with those lenses and then the two different frame rates, you should be good for the edit, right? Yeah. And I mean, like during NBA games, like I know we shoot with the 85 and we just leave the 85 millimeter on because it gets great depth of field from where we're sitting. Ooh, yeah. And yeah. And so like most of the time we're using the 85 millimeter, um, usually comes out pretty great and we shoot on 120. Um, sometimes we shoot one six, we sometimes we shoot 60, um, for the most part, 120 though. Um, yeah, the 85 has been really good. Um, but like most interview, like actually I'd say like 95% of our interviews are with the 50 millimeter. Um, and then, like I said, the run and gun is just like, whatever the A7S three I've been loving. I love the new autofocus on it. Um, so yeah, man, that's, that's pretty much it. How did COVID limit or, or tweak your access, like on the floor where you sit and, you know, if you were typically using an 85 mil and now you're eight rows back, are you going to switch it up or? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Actually, we're usually using the, uh, yeah, I mean, like it's, it, it does definitely does depend. Right. And so, you know, you might be using the 50, um, just because you like how the looks are, um, if you're, if you're mainly on the floor. Um, but then since we move back and I haven't shot in a while since of COVID and everything. So, um, a lot of my colleagues have been doing it. So, um, lately it's been still been the 85 or then move over to the 105, depending on like if we're a furrows back, right. We, you know, go back and then, um, just see, I mean, honestly, it's, it's dude, it's so trial and error too. It's like some days, like depending on where your seat's at or where you're located, like you might have to move back a little bit and, and just trial and see what that's like. And, um, and, and switch out the lens. Maybe you need to run upstairs, get something else, come back down and then, um, switch it out. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of trial and error. Um, but it's, it's been different. It's, I mean, COVID's definitely changed the way, like also to like, when we do interviews, like they've had us like eight to 10 feet away. So then that obviously has like a big distance. And then like our, our, our boom pole, like somebody's holding it away out. And as we're trying to shoot around it and whatnot. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it definitely has, uh, changed the way we shoot things. Has there been an instance where you just totally fumbled the bag? You totally just, you forgot to hit record at the start of a game or, you know, like talk to me. Can you talk to me about anything like that? Oh, dude, I could, I could go on and on. I would go the next two hours about every time I fumble <laughs> the bag. I dude, I've messed, I've messed up so many times. Like, but like I've said before, like the more times you mess up, like the more you always say like, Oh, I'm never going to do that again. Like, and then you don't do it again. And then like, that's like, that's that. Um, and once in one instance I was shooting, we had this big shoot and, um, it was, it, it was a, it was a round table interview. Right. And it was with the, um, like the CEO, the head coach, president of basketball operations, an NBA player. And not, we had, not the place to mess up. No, not the place to mess up. No, by any means. And I, we had one camera on a slider, right? We had, uh, we had three cameras going, um, and, uh, two FS sevens. And then I think we had the ACE, a 6,500 and we had the a 6,500 on a slider 
and it was like kind of rounding the table. So it was like a real slow, like round the table, um, like so many lights set up. Like was, this was like a huge production. We did. Um, and I didn't put uh, the 6,500 in uh, 24 frame rate. I put it in 120. <laughs> so I didn't, I actually, I didn't, I didn't put it in there. I never switched it back. So right. I was shooting on the gimbal before and I was using 120 and I never switched it over from uh, never switch it from 120 to 24. It probably so, looked pretty sick. <laughs> it did. But the problem was we really needed that as our establishing shot because that was our wide and it was like on the slider and we needed that. That was our opening shot. Like, when the guy, when the CEO, when the basketball operator, operator when everybody was talking at the beginning of the segment, they were looking into that camera and that camera does not record audio because it's shooting 120. And since it's shooting 120, it's going really slow. So everybody's mouth is moving like super slow. And luckily, like I said, we always record externally. So audio wasn't a problem, but does not look the same obviously um it did look different we had to cut away a lot from it we had to use graphics to hide that um but every single time they would go to like the head segment like when they were talking they were always talking to this camera and i did not put it in 24 i put it in uh 120. um another one was i completely forgot all of the audio equipment for a shoot that was 35 minutes away from where we were at um no we had literally no audio like there wasn't any <laughs> any audio so you just made so, a cinematic like, sequence yeah well no actually what <laughs> happened was uh so we we had to have audio too like these like all these people were talking right there was uh, there was just a whole bunch of people like big partners and like people that were coming and like thanking the orlando magic and like it had to be heard that they were talking and um we came up with all these ideas like we'll just plug in externally for the X XLR. We'll just like plug in externally to a mic and we'll just go straight in. But then that wasn't going to be efficient to move back and forth and it wasn't going to look good. So then we thought, well, we'll just record with our iPhones and like we'll just hold up to their phone and then just edit on the other end. That was another option. But then there were so many of them. There was no way we were going to be able to hold it up. And they were also talking to an audience. So it was like, that's not going to sound good. So I last second went all the way back to the amway center uh drove 35 minutes on this big highway uh so much um i literally and the craziest part there was a solar bear so the solar bears are our hockey team our it's like our minor league hockey team they were playing that night so i had to go through all the traffic i had to like go all the way upstairs get all of the audio equipment carry all the audio equipment from the amway get into my car, drive 35 minutes back in like dead stop traffic. Wow. Um, it took me like an hour and a half, probably closer to two hours. And somehow I managed to make it there right on time. And we got all of the audio. The edit was great. Everything looks good. But I definitely wish I didn't have to go through that. And I definitely screwed up by completely forgetting all of the audio equipment uh didn't bring a single thing bring a single piece of equipment to hit listen you wouldn't have heard anything so that's wild when you first showed up and you realized you'd forgot all the audio equipment how terrified were you that you were getting fired the next day <laughs> i don't think uh, honestly dude like the thing about it is like when you get into those situations right like it's not good to you know, it's not good to panic. It's not good to like, you get into a situation like, oh my God, like 
my camera just overheated, right? I've had situations when I'm in, I was shooting a wedding and I was shooting so much 120 that right when I got into, and it was hot outside, right when I got into the, um, the last scene where we're like walking out of the ceremony or like when they're walking down the aisle, the first kiss, literally the first kiss one time I was like shooting and I, my camera overheated, right? And it just stops recording. Um, when you get into those situations, right? Like where you, you just can't control it. Like you just can't panic. Like you can't think like, Oh my God, like what am I going to do? Oh my God. Oh my God. Like you can't start thinking that way. Like you have to just like calm down and be a problem solver. And so I've learned this through my mentors, like working with magic and like others. And that it's not always about like freaking out, like, Oh my God, my camera, my, my camera gear sucks. Like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to do this? Like, do I pull out my iPhone? Do I start shooting? like just be a problem solver, like, like slow down, take a deep breath. Like, okay, what is our next option? Obviously we don't have audio here, but like, what can we do? Right? Like, like what, what is it? Like, what's the case? So I've learned now that like, I think for anybody who is listening or is trying to take the next step, like if you're going to be a creative, like learn to be a problem solver, right? If, you know, maybe one day you don't, maybe you forget your, you know, your wide lens. So you only have a tight lens. Like, I guess you have to back up and like shoot from a little bit of a distance that day. So like, it's just going to make you become a problem solver when you learn and, and, and when you grow and when you forget things. Um, but just like, don't panic, like, like just learn to live in the moment, f- figure it out. And um, everything will eventually turn out fine. Like you, you'll, you'll figure it out. Like, um, like I have before and everything always just figures itself out. And you just, like you said, you just roll with the punches. But I'd say the biggest thing is like, don't worry so much about what's going to happen the next day or what's going to happen in the edit or what's going to happen in the future. Just become a problem solver and just calm down and think about it step by step and say to yourself, you can still do it. Just figure it out and go with it. A minute ago, you mentioned uh, shooting in the wrong frame rate, the 120 when you needed to be in 24, which is like polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. I was on a shoot this past week. It was a road trip shoot. Um, for, I was My leg was LA to El Paso. Um, the subjects were moving from LA to Birmingham, Alabama, and we're getting them. It's the first afternoon shooting and we're getting them moving out of their apartment in LA. It's like literally as you similar to your story, kind of like the establishing scene, like the first scene you're going to maybe see. Yeah. And I was using a black magic pocket camera for the first time and it was great. I ended up loving it. But I was unfamiliar with the settings. My Sony that I'm used to doesn't shoot in like, uh, if it's like a fraction type frame rate. So it ended up that I accidentally switched it to like 24 over 60 or something like that. And so it was like way out of whack. So what it was, we ended up solving it. But in the moment I was like, oh man, my first like, you know, the first scene we're shooting and I already messed it up. But luckily, uh, the director, Emma DeMuth, shout out to Emma, she figured out that in post, you could kind of just, it was about, I think, 80% off. Like the audio was, uh, I think, came before the video or vice versa. And so if you kind of tweaked it in 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 Premiere, in the edit, you tweaked it to be about 80% delayed or something like that it kind of matched up and you lost like the first few seconds and the last five seconds, but you got the main middle chunk of the clip. Um, but yeah, just like, so it happens to everyone, you know, we all mess up. And like you said, you kind of just got to chill. Obviously that wasn't my control. So I have to take the full blame and accountability for that one. 
but you can't always be perfect. You're going to mess up. And I was talking with Leo, who was on the previous episode, and we were saying those mistakes that you make once, you're not going to make them a sub- second time, right? Yeah. I Hopefully, I pray, that doesn't happen to me again. But to be fair, I hadn't used that camera before, you know? Right. So things happen. You got to do the best you can with what you've got. Yeah. And, and like I was just going to say, like, you know, for a split second, you can be mad at yourself, right? For And when you're in that moment, you're like, oh, crap. Like, I don't know how this is going to work out. For a split second, you can be mad at yourself. But right after that split second happens, like, just say, like, you know what? I'm just going to roll with it. Like, we're just going to do it. Okay, let's go. Like, we're going to figure it out. Um, because, like, when you get into those shoots, right, you, like, like, your director or whoever you're with, like, producing, like, they want to see that you're confident. They want to see that like whatever happens, like we're not just going to like freak out and flip out and like be worried about this the rest of the time. Um, you know, we want, you want to make sure that, you know, you can just, you can just do it and you'll be that problem zone be that guy that's just like flexible and to do it. So I'd say for anybody who's like trying to like figure it out, right. Like be upset with yourself for like a very split second and then move on and figure it out and like, just go forward with it because you will overcome it and like you said like just say to yourself hey i'm not gonna do that again like i'm i don't plan on doing that again and, and now you've grown and learned and figured out hey i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do a few more shoots and make sure or, uh, like test shoots before and make sure that it looks good and make sure it's everything i want and then we'll get right into it so you just learn and you just figure it out as you go like you say it's trial and error and um you know you just just don't let it happen again amen ryan for fellow creatives and entrepreneurs coming up What's one resource that you've learned a lot from, whether it be a podcast, a book, you know, maybe a YouTube channel or even just a mentor that you have in real life? And what was something you learned from it? The Buff Nerds, Jacob Owens. I watch his videos like once a day, right? Like he's he's coming out with some really cool content. Like shout out to him. Like he's making the content that like you need to see. Um, like totally think that like he is talking about like like what you should charge you know what you should be shooting how to get in the industry like things that like we're talking about right now and like he breaks down like on a youtube scale like i watched a video the other day that he said and it was like for his first video it was like how to make six figures uh doing freelance like that was one video and then it was like how to make a million dollars with your production company and he like breaks it down like as easy as it is like how much money you need to make per week just to make a million dollars with your production company and like how you should have different forms of passive income and like different revenue streams and like ways to do it and promote it like i'd say like he's not just talking about like edits he's not just talking about how he shoots he's not just talking about like his business he's like everything in in the lines of it so i'd say like for for me um he's somebody who i look i look to and 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 be like that dude is just killing it like it doesn't matter what he's do- he's doing everything that everybody wants to do too like he's shooting weddings he's doing music videos documentaries like anything that can you know tell a story and put it out there like he knows how to do it and i think is one thing that like i've learned from him is like the editing process right he edits really fast and he he knows it. he says like i know what i want like when when a client hires me i know what i want i know what the vision is like so I know where the shots are going to go. I know exactly. So for him, he's just laying it down because he's already done the pre-production. Like he's already done that process. So it's easy. Like he said, he can edit music videos in like a day, day and a half. He can knock it out like within 20 hours. 
And so like, I've been doing that now more of like, I, I write down what I, I think is the right vision for it and then going forward with it. And so I've learned a lot from his creative side. And then from a business perspective, I learned like how to market myself as a brand and like how to approach clients and like, what is a good like response to say to somebody when somebody says, Hey, what are you charging for a wedding video? And can you send me your rates? Like I've learned just from his, like his videos. Like, so I, I, I'd say like for anybody who's just looking to get into it, looking to become, you know, more of an entrepreneur and sell yourself, like check out Jacob Owens, stuff. He's definitely got some good stuff. And I know he works really hard too. Um, so it's really cool to see when, when the creative like that works really hard. It makes you want to work really hard and, and be in a position just like them. I, I'm so glad. I'm stoked that you're a buff nerds on the buff nerds wave because yeah, yeah I've been following him for a little bit and uh, as well as his company buff nerds and yeah, the insight they give out and also the content they produce kind of backs or the, yeah, the content backs up the insight in the sense that like anyone can just say shit, right? Yeah. But his content is at a high level and it doesn't matter if like, it's not your genre of music or like not the type of video you'd usually make. You can tell that the videos they make and what he produces is at a very high level. So therefore you respect what he says. And even if you don't agree with it, you know, you, you at least have some respect for it. I think something that's really dope about him is, uh, not just from like a revenue standpoint, but from just a pure creative creativity standpoint, it's his individual sets that he has. I think he's up to like five different sets now. And so yeah. it's, for anyone who's wondering, go check it out on his Instagram or YouTube at buff nerds or at Jacob Owens. But it's like these like five little like mini production houses, I would say that have like th three different sets within them. And each one has a different genre. For example, one might be like retro seventies themed. Another might be aquatic themed. Another might be like very woodsy. And another might be like jail cell, cell super hardcore, like in the streets. And so what it is, is he'll rent these out to people. He gets revenue, his company gets revenue. And he rents these out to artists, other producers, you know, videographers, talent, models, whoever it may be, any type of creative, anyone who wants to use it. And it's a super dope looking, like each one is like, designed very very well they have all the lighting you need in-house i think they may have cameras you need in-house uh i don't know the all the logistics of it but just from like a revenue and creativity standpoint that is just like a freaking goal right <laughs> yeah dude that's that's like ultimately like where every production company wants to be right they want to be able to you know have assets for themselves where they can go out and pr produce things but then also have people coming in to them to ask like for the assistance. And so I think he's definitely, and he's like a young guy. Like I think he's right around the age of yeah, 30. I was going to say he's only 30 something. If yeah. That, he's got to like, be like, yeah. Right. And and so, I mean, he's smart. And the other thing that I've learned a lot about him is like, he doesn't even like some of the video, some of his videos, like he doesn't, even all, he doesn't just talk about like production. He's talking about like real estate and like, he's talking about like how, like, so when he moved out of college, right. He didn't really have much money and he was like shooting on like a, canon rebel t6i like he was just doing like music videos for free and whatnot and then he said like he finally got some money and like he bought a house and like he fixed up the house and th and then from there like he um he like fixed the house up and then he sold the house and he made money off that and then he used that money to like put more money gear into his production company and then he made money with his production company and then bought another house and then bought another piece of property like the way he thinks is like 
in my eyes, what I feel like, um, you know, a good entrepreneur should, should do. And like I said, just because I think it, it might be good. It doesn't mean that it's not for everybody. Um, but it's ideally a big inspiration to me and why I watch, I, I just watch like a few minutes of his, of each of his videos. Like I'd see like once every other day or every day. And I think that that just helps me in my insights and, and what I do on a daily basis. I think I heard him say one time and he says, if your Tuesdays and Saturdays feel the same, then you're doing pretty well. So mm-hmm. like, like, and what he means by that is like, if you wake up and on a Tuesday and you approach it, like it's a Saturday or it's like the weekend, like you're doing pretty well. Like your, your life is, you know, maintaining the steady, you know, work hard, play hard kind of attitude. Yeah. You're having um, fun with it. You're having fun with it. Exactly. So I think he said one time, he was like, if you're, if you're Tuesdays and Saturday, your Tuesdays and Saturdays feel the same, then you're doing pretty good. So, um, I think that's like a, that's like a big lesson that I've trying to do is like wake up every single day with the same intent that I'm just going to kill the day. Right. Like I'm going to do as be- as much as I can. And if, if I can do it and, and I'm enjoying it, then like, Hey, that's all that matters. Wake up hungry and happy. Yeah. Love that. So with all that being said, at the end of the day, Ryan, what's your blue ass water? If the shoot goes awry, if everything's going bad, what, what is it that kind of just keeps you going? You know, that, that makes it all worth it. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, like for me, what makes it worth it at the end of the day is just like, you know, telling stories that people enjoy, like enjoy to see. And like, no matter if that might be, you know, a documentary on a certain subject or if it's a, you know, it has to do with 2K or if it's a wedding video or if it's just a travel video for a small brand. I mean, like whatever it is, like if you're telling a story and you're impacting like somebody's idea in some way, like to me, that is really inspiring. And to hear the feedback that people say like, oh, I really like this. That was super cool that you did that. Like for me, I just, I just always am rewarded by by that and just hearing that the know that like I could put 20, 20, 40 hours into an edit or into a project. And if people, if one person says that they resonated with the message or some one person says that they, you know, agreed with the storyline or they love to hear from that, like that just makes me feel happy. And like, for me, it doesn't matter where like financially where that stands. If I'm putting hard work into everything and I know that I'm giving 110% effort and somebody says that they resonate with the message or they understood what I was trying to portray or they love the storyline or they just thought it was cool. Like for me, that's what makes me happy. And that's why I want to continue doing this every single day. Amen. That's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, that's good, man. Good stuff. Ryan, tell the people where they can find you. You guys can find me. Um, my uh, personal Instagram is at Rashworth six on Instagram. Um, I also run a media page. Uh, it's called Tideline Media. Um, you can follow that on Instagram as well at Tideline Media. Um, other than that, I'm also on YouTube. Just search up Ryan Ashworth. Ryan, thank you for coming on to Blue Ass Water. Dude, thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Shout out to you, Emac. Cheers. Have a good one, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it.